uh, these castings are getting a little on the nose, don't you think? <laughs> the Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. Hi, and welcome to all of the listeners over at Tudor's Dynasty. Thank you so much for tuning in to this extra special episode. My name is Christine Morgan. You may know me from a few other show recaps and a brief history, but I'm here today with special guest Claire who you can find with her blog at Historian. And she also loves to chat about TV and movies, don't you, Claire? I do. Thank you ever so much for having me today. I'm so, so glad that you're here. Um, This is our first meeting, but we have sort of circled around each other in uh, the same social circles for a few years now. So I'm so glad to meet you. Likewise, yes, I'm really looking forward to chatting about all things period drama today. So tell us just a little bit about your blog, first of all, um, and the kinds of things that you love to watch and what you're hoping to bring awareness to today in our discussion. Certainly. So I run um, an online history blog and I concentrate on two quite different areas. One, Welsh history, because I live in Wales and that's what I've studied in university. I absolutely adore Welsh history. But another thing I equally adore um, are period dramas. So historical TV and films. And that's what I'm here to talk about today. Um, Obviously, Tudor's Dynasty podcast has covered a lot of Tudor-themed historical film and TV. But I'm here today to talk a bit more about what's coming up in terms of uh, historical film and TV about the Stuart period. Um, and to give everyone a bit of a flavor what's on the horizon, really. This is so fun because even though this is Tudor's dynasty, that's the dynasty that really gets us set up for the Stuarts, isn't it? Exactly. And, you know, we've got the story of Mary, Queen of Scots, you know, her family, her line, um, her son, James VI of Scotland, becoming James I of England and inheriting the throne from Elizabeth I. So it's a really good, you know, it's a really interesting time period as well to look at you've got the rise of court culture and there's all this religious and political debate you know we've got civil war in England uh the republic with Oliver Cromwell the restoration of Charles II it's a really juicy and interesting historical period so I'm really glad that uh 
film and TV producers are finally turning their attention to it. I am too. As much as I love the Tudor period, I think every once in a while, I look around and I, I say, where are some new characters? What are some new stories that I can learn about, right? Exactly. I know I love my Tudor period dramas as well. But yeah, every so often you have to look outside that time period for some new material. So Claire, in the last couple of years, you noted that there have been a few really excellent Tudor uh, entertainment opportunities. Uh, what have been some of the ones that stood out to you as really excellent? In terms of kind of the Tudor themed um, shows I've been watching, the one I really liked, and I'm gutted that it was cancelled, was Becoming Elizabeth. I absolutely, I absolutely adored that one. I thought Ramola Garai as um as Mary. I thought she was fantastic, I, and and Tom Cullen as Thomas Seymour. Yeah, I just thought it was very well cast, superbly acted, and I'm really gutted we're not getting a second season of that one. You and me both. I don't know if you listen to me drone on and on as some of our listeners today will have done. Uh, but I did do episodic recaps for Becoming Elizabeth, and I'll tell you, I just had the best time. Yeah, I can't, I think it was, it seemed by the look of social media to be quite a divisive one in terms of feedback from people who watched it. I think it was like either a love it or you hate it show, but I really loved it. I thought it was really well done. Um, there's some Stars productions, I'm going to be completely honest here, that I I couldn't really get into, the Spanish princess being one of them. But this one I really, really liked. Yeah, I think we were all really hoping and rooting for our showrunners on that one, uh, maybe even hoping for a Becoming Mary series. But I don't know if that'll happen for us. So until that point, what are some Stuart dramas that you've enjoyed recently that can kind of fill that void for us. I think the standout one that everyone um, has probably knows of is The Favourite, which came out back in 2018. And it's a black comedy uh, set in, during the reign of Queen Anne, the last Stuart monarch. And it's about her, um, Queen Anne, who's played amazingly by Olivia Coleman. We all love Olivia. Um, and her relationship with two of her favourites. Sarah Churchill, the Duchess of Marlborough, and Sarah's cousin, Abigail. And it's all about their relationship between each other, the three of those women, uh, the two cousins competing to be the ultimate favourite. And in a way about the, you know, the state of Queen Anne as well. Like she she was, it's quite um, it's quite a moving film in, in some respects as well. And I just thought it was amazing to see not just a black kind of, black comedy period drama. I love those. I love like um, Jojo Rabbit, Death of Stalin, but also a period drama that's got three very strong, very distinct female leads in it. I thought it was a, a great film. So Claire, um, expand for us just a little bit how you would define um, a black comedy, because I think this is sort of a trend that we're seeing in historical fiction and historical entertainment, but it's fairly new. You, you named Jojo Rabbit. I would also put the series about Catherine the Great, uh, called The Great, mm -hmm. into that kind of a category, but it's sort of a new spin on how to present historical material. How would you describe that genre? 
Yeah, I think, I, I must admit, I think over here in Britain, I don't think it's that, um, it's that new. I think perhaps we've just got a very, a very peculiar sense of humour. But they, over here, we also call it like gallows humour. So it's kind of a comedy that makes light of a subject matter that's generally um, a bit taboo or something that's not really discussed. So, you know, death, for example, or um, in the case of Jojo Rabbit, you know, the, you know, they tried to make it's using that that tool of black comedy um, with regards to you know the Nazi regime and occupation. So it's um, I think it's quite a comedy is always a difficult thing to get right. You know, there's so many aspects involved, the timing, the writing. So I'm always in awe of people who can write a good comedy film. But black comedy, gallows humor, it's even harder to get right. So I think it's a true art form, really. I think it really mirrors as well, more realistically, how people probably speak with each other. You know, when you're with your friends or you're with your family or uh, you're with people who are around you all the time, you know, it's a little surprising sometimes to see the depictions of history as being so very stuffy. So I personally am very excited about people sort of dipping their toe into this style, at least here in the States. It's definitely not normal for us. So it makes it more fun. Yeah, and I think not because we've all used black black humor. It's a bit of a like you say, you, you come across it in conversation. It's a natural coping mechanism. Um, so to see it on the screen, I suppose, is, is in the next step. So tell us a little bit more about The Favourite. Why do you think that that is something, first of all, that you would recommend? And what were some of the elements in there that uh, really pulled into new Stuart stories? Um, well, first of all, like I mentioned, you know, it's got the good you know, three strong female leads in there, Emma Stone, Olivia Coleman, um, Rachel Wise, apologies if I pronounce her surname incorrectly. Um, so, and, you know, it's not, I think very often you can come across period dramas that, you know, reduce the female characters to, you know, someone, someone's wife, someone's, um, you know, someone's love interest, you know, that doesn't give them a very meaty storyline. And here, like I said, you've got three women with um, all the, all her great roles to play, and like I said before, it's about the power struggles between Sarah Churchill and her and her cousin Abigail, and basically the back and forth between them, the scheming for them to be the favourite um, of of, uh, of Queen Anne. And um, while the broad out outlines of Sarah and Abigail's rivalry in the film are true, um, a lot kind of the, the detail, the specific instances, the specific scenes that's kind of more speculative or fictional. Um, there's kind of, there's a, quite a sexual scene in the film and, you know, we're not, you know, entirely sure if Sarah and Anne's relationship was sexual. And likewise, there's quite a, a rememberable um, scene in the film where Queen Anne, who, who famously, she got pregnant at least 17 times in as many years, but unfortunately, um, you know, she wasn't successful in 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 many of those pregnancies and she miscarried or gave birth to a stillborn child at least 12 times and there's this really memorable scene where she's surrounded by rabbits which which kind of like a almost represent or a substitute for, for her for her dead children um 
and it's a really really sad scene in, in some ways very very you know very emotive and it's one that people remember for this film but at the same time likewise if you we were actually back in the student court nobody would be keeping rabbits as, pe- as pets because they, they would be food back then or pests that's right <laughs> so it's really it is a really emotive play like I said it's got some great um some great, great actresses in it and um while researching and doing my prep for this podcast I discovered that Rachel Wise wasn't actually the first choice to play Sarah Churchill Duchess of Marlborough would you like to know who was actually signed up to play Sarah in the first instance? Yes, because because Rachel was such a great choice. Who else could they have considered? Well, another great choice. Um, Kate Winslet was the first in line to play Sarah Churchill. No kidding. That would have been a very different film, I think. <laughs> I think so, too. But imagine that dynamic between Olivia Coleman and Kate Winslet. That would have been so powerful. Yes, so that's kind of like my top choice in terms of past Stuart uh, productions. But like I said at the start, I think film and TV producers are starting to get hold of the fact that, oh yes, we need to look at new historical periods for for our source material. And they're looking to the Stuarts, so there's actually quite a few coming out in the next year or so, quite a few new period dramas based specifically around the the Stuart court. That is so exciting. Again, these are new stories, fresh stories, um, some of them, you know, a bit more modern. But even when you were talking about Queen Anne and all of her struggles with pregnancy, you know, it sounds a little bit like it mirrors the struggles of Catherine of Aragon. Mm. Do you happen to know if Queen Anne ever had um, like social struggles around that in the same way? There was bound to have been some perception and pressure because she was the last Stuart monarch. So basically the line, unfortunately, you know, died with her. So undoubtedly there was definitely perception and pressure there. She did have one child who, who managed to live um, for a couple of years, but unfortunately the son, he passed away relatively young as well. So I think by then, given, you know, the, you know, the country had seen a civil war not so long before I think Britain was very very keen to show, to ensure that if Anne didn't have children that there was a successful and peaceful transition to the next dynasty that came along which was of course the Hanoverians um, and by that time you know we had quite an evolving but a still time established parliament here in Britain so in reality they kind of were planning for what would happen if Anne didn't produce her heir as well? Um, so it kind of it, the structures around the monarch and the process of who came next after they passed away. That was quite different from when Catherine of Aragon um, was alive. So I think it's really fun and I encourage the listeners to really explore some of these Stuart period dramas that are coming out because we're so familiar with the Tudors, but as they say, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And so <laughs> some of these themes are going to pop up again in the Stuart uh, dynasty. And now we'll be familiar enough with them to sort of notice them. But that being said, Claire, what can we look forward to in the next few seasons? What's coming up? 
Well, there's two studio-based period dramas that I'm really excited about at the moment, both of which are female-focused, female-led as well. So I'm really, really happy about that too. The first one, and this has only been announced in the last few weeks, um, is a production called Monstrous Beauty, starring Bella Ramsey. So we've seen her in Game of Thrones, obviously, um, Catherine Corberdi. She's going to play an aspiring playwright at Stuart Court, at the court of King Charles II. But she has a rare medical condition that leaves her whole body covered in hair. So she ended up at the at the Stuart Court as this kind of, you know, this natural wonder, this, this curiosity. And while she's there, she's taken under the wing of Nell Gwynne, another amazing figure from this period in history. She's going to be played by Ruth Negger. Um, and she's kind of guided along into the world of play, you know, of writing plays and the theatre and Restoration England. And we're going to have Fiona Shaw from Killing Eve playing Afra Ben, the playwright and female spy, which is amazing. She deserves her own, her own TV show, I think. And we've got Dominic West from The Crown playing King Charles II. So that one's only recently been announced. What um, an all-star really cast. I know, great cast, isn't it? Oh my goodness. You know, uh, I have definitely seen some of the promotions for that, but I think that you've maybe sold me on it better than the promotions. <laughs> that there's no way that I'm not going to watch a show that includes Nell Gwynn and Bella Ramsey and Dominic West. I'm sold. All the boxes are ticked. <laughs> That's right. I'm very easy to please. <laughs> That one's probably in production. That one's in production now. So that's probably not going to be on our screens until next year, till 2024. But there is an eight-part series that's due on Sky Atlantic. So I'm guessing it's going to be on Sky over there as well, late 2023. And that's called Mary and George. And that's now, wait. Yeah. Those are very popular names, Mary and George. That could be anybody. <laughs> I know. So yes, <laughs> it could be, couldn't it? Um, so this one, Mary and George, it's not about a royal couple, but it is about some family at one of the Stuart courts. So Julianne Moore, she's going to play Mary Villiers, the Countess of Buckingham. Now you may or may not know her name, but you probably will know the name of her son, George. George Villiers, who was the first Duke of Buckingham and favourite to James I. Oh, so this is a mother and son drama centred at Stuart Court. Yes, and it's going to be all about um, how Mary, the mother, kind of set George up to, you know, be in the centre of power in the Stuart Court, be the favourite of James I. So it's all about her using her intelligence, her, you know, her planning, to get him to that position. Um, I, again, did some background reading before today, and it's quite interesting that in terms of preparing George for the British court and for him to do his best year, um, Mary sent him to the French court to learn all those traditional courtier skills, and you can't help but thinking of the parallels. That's right. The Boylins sent Mary and Anne over to you know, do their training, learn the courtly etiquette and then bring them back to the British court. So 
there's, there's parallels there already. Um, and the very another interesting tidbit about this series is the gentleman that's playing uh, George, the son. Again, apologies in advance if I um, if I butcher his surname. It's the Welsh speaker in me. I, I see I see a surname and I just can't help but try and pronounce it in a <laughs> way. Uh, Nicholas Galitzin. Galitzin is a Russian surname, I believe. Galitzin. He's been in a couple of minor productions, but um, I was reading about his career. And inter interestingly, his ancestors were actually an old Russian noble family. And most of them were, were unfortunately killed or exiled during the Russian Revolution. So the guy that's playing George, the Duke of Buckingham, he's actually got this major historical link as well, which I found really interesting. That is so much fun. I think that if that was myself in that position, I would feel quite a lot of pressure to portray something as accurately as possible. Uh, and you might remember too, uh, the lead in Becoming Elizabeth, who played the Princess Elizabeth, um, she's also from a noble line of, I think, German uh, royalty. So uh, these castings are getting a little on the nose, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so those are the two kind of main Stuart ones that are due out imminently. But I was hoping to talk a little bit more about some of the other royal period dramas that are due out at some point this year as well if, if that's okay yes please tell us all about them uh, our listeners love all kinds of history and you know i always feel so disappointed when i see people online talking about shows i've never heard of so let's let's make this a you heard it here first <laughs> brilliant well i'm going to concentrate on some of the new stuff coming out so i'm not going to cover like the returning series because like we're going to have, like you said, the great series three, that's due back soon. We're probably going to have the last series of The Crown later on um, later on this year. That actually wrapped filming yesterday. There's been some video footage online of, the, of all the actors and actresses dancing in the streets of Windsor on that one. Um, but um, there's quite a few Tudor dramas due out um, this year. I think the most, um, the one that's getting the most attention at the moment is Firebrand, which is all about the relationship between Henry VIII and his sick wife, Catherine Parr. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm actually like, yes, finally, a movie about Catherine Parr. She's such an interesting lady. She's one of the overlooked wives. And finally, we're going to get a really meaty period drama film about her. Absolutely. I've been very excited about this. Uh, and the author of the book that it's based on, Queen's Gambit, I believe it was mm -hmm. called. You, she's been tweeting a lot. She's very accessible and very friendly and very yeah. excited as well. So it's really fun to interact on social uh, with the people involved in this production so far. Yep. I totally agree. Like, so the author, Elizabeth Fremantle, and like you said, it's based on her book, The Queen's Gambit. And she announced, I think it was earlier this week, that the film Firebrand is actually premiering at this year's Cannes Film Festival. So that's kind of like the league that this film is in. You know, it's 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 considered critically good enough to go to the Cannes Film Festival. So this is going to be a good one. Um, it's starring uh, Alicia Vikander as Catherine Parr and Jude Law as Henry VIII. 
I think when a lot of people hear that casting decision, I think there's a lot of, oh my God, Jude Law is far too handsome to play <laughs> um, an elderly Henry VIII. So I'm hoping for a lot of uh, prosthetics in that department. That's right. Um, but yes, yeah, being classed as a psychological thriller. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Me too. I will be there, ticket in hand right away. That one is very <laughs> exciting and it's getting so much hype. And I'm with you. Catherine Parr needs a really serious look uh, and a spotlight. It started pretty well with Becoming Elizabeth, but I do think it will be important to highlight uh, how smart she was, how involved she was, um, how religious she was. She's an incredible woman. I'm very excited. I am too. Was, that one is going to be a good one, and I will be at the cinema for that one too. Um, at the other end of the scale, in terms of Tudor dramas coming out um, at some point this year, we've got My Lady Jane, which is a historical comedy based um, based on like a young adult's book. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard or read this book, Christine. Is it called My Lady Jane? It is indeed. No, I'm not familiar. I've, I've, I've Googled it, obviously, after hearing about it. And I'm kind of, I'm one of those people that if I haven't read it already, I'm not going to spoil the surprise. I want to I wanna watch it on the TV nice and fresh. <laughs> That's right. But um, the, the, the synopsis says it's a series and it's going to follow an irreverent young Tudor woman. I take it that's Lady Jane Grey, who dreads her arranged marriage only to be surprised when it results in a steamy romance, her being crowned queen and heroic mission to save the magical people persecuted by her political rivals. And Whoa. I know it's intriguing me. At the same time, it doesn't sound very similar to the story of Lady Jane Grey as we all know it. Yeah, um, we'll put it in the fiction category, <laughs> historical fiction, but that doesn't mean it won't be fun. No, and perhaps your listeners will get in touch and actually let us know what my Lady Jane is about. Because, like I said, I'm trying not to spoil the surprise for myself, and I'm sure it must be a very good book if it's been um, if it's been selected to be made into a TV series. But yeah, that's the other Tudor one to keep an eye out for this year. There's so many things going on. I always lose track. I need to start some sort of schedule for all the TV I want to watch. <laughs> Um, then the final one I've got to highlight for, for your listeners is one that's, it, this one's coming out in November. You'll find it out on November the 22nd on Apple TV. It's one that's been in production for a while. And again, I think it's going to do very well. It's been directed by Ridley Scott. Um, you know, I think it's going to have, uh, I think it's going to be a bit of an epic. And that is Napoleon. Um, and obviously it's a film about the French emperor, Napoleon Bonaparte, but it's, a look at his life through the prism of his of his relationship with his wife Josephine, and that was a you know often a very volatile relationship, um, quite addictive, like you call it a toxic relationship now. So it's all about the great French emperor, but through the eyes of you know the woman that that he loved and eventually left, unfortunately. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is going to play uh, Napoleon. And Vanessa Kirby, who played Princess um, Margaret, a young Princess Margaret in The Crown, she will be playing Josephine. Um, so, yeah, again, another one that I'm expecting very good things from this year. 
Yeah, you can't go wrong with either of those. And again, Napoleon is not a, a, a TV or movie topic that I think gets focused on a lot. Um, I, I wonder why that is. He's such a fascinating person in history. And Joaquin Phoenix will, of course, do him great justice. Yeah, I think so as well. I think one of the reasons why they don't make so many shows about him is that obviously his life and career was very military based and there's only so many military scenes you can fit into a film you need to like you need to actually get some human story in there as well and that's why i think they've chosen this angle of showing it through through um you know the the, the prism of the relationship excellent Either point one. well claire i want to say first of all thank you for giving us the rundown on all of these upcoming dramas as well as a few recommendations for things that are already out that our listeners could go find and enjoy uh, through the lens of their tutor knowledge uh, where can our listeners find you if they want to follow your blog or interact with you on social um, so my blog is historian, um, H-I-S-D-O-R-Y-A-N.co.uk. And I'm historian on Instagram and Twitter as well. Please come along and say hi. I'm always tweeting about the new period dramas. So if you're looking for a way to keep up to date with what is coming out next, it's a really good, uh, really good account to follow, even if I do say so myself. I would completely agree. I've enjoyed your content for a very long time. And again, that's why I'm so glad to talk with you today and to introduce you to some of our listeners here who I think are going to really enjoy following you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.